If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Are we live? I yeah. can't tell. Put your pants back on. That's shit. <laughs> Toffee, put your pants back on. Oh, yes, I see this now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Slightly Something Else, the live podcast with your pals at The Escapist. I'm Yati Croshaw, and this is Nick Calandra. Hello. And this week, we are talking about games journalism as we've experienced it over the years. We're both games journalists. Uh, are we not, Nick? I always thought you consider yourself a games critic because people call you games journalists and you get angry about it. I, when have I gotten angry about being called a games journalist? <laughs> when? Uh, I don't remember. It's just typical attitude for you, so... <laughs> I'd, well, that's fair enough, yes. It does seem like the sort of thing I get angry about, but I actually don't because I, I tend to think criticism is just part of journalism, you know? Yeah, it can be. I mean... By strict definitions, we are all people who work for a journal, therefore journalists. That's true. I mean, how do you define a games journalist? Uh, it's kind of a change for me because, I mean, like, I mean, you know, you've been you've been on the Escapist forever, so you know, you've kind of seen all the different stages the website's gone through. And I wouldn't say nowadays we do a whole lot of journalism. We're focused a lot more on commentary and critique over really right. any of the you know, investigative stuff that other sites are doing and all that. Okay. So you characterize journalism as Woodward and Bernstein getting to the heart of the truth, exploiting contacts, meeting people in shady alleyways. Right. I mean, the news writing we do, I, you know, I can slightly consider journalism, but I mean, nowadays, <laughs> you know, every, any, anytime you want to cover the news, it's, it really is just rehashing what the, the PR or, or developer already put on Twitter kind of thing. You know, you're just, right. you're just spreading the message to your audience. So I don't really, yeah, it's journalism, but it's not really journalism. Well, semantics. Yep. But what's your first memory of video game media for video game journalism? My first memory would definitely be reading Game Informer magazine, uh, you know, going to GameStop me, and picking up the magazines. and Yeah, for me it was magazines as well. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, I started off reading, like, Commodore format, mm -hmm. and it's related titles Amiga format and PC format, PC Gamer, later PC Zone, which was the magazine that Charlie Brooker used to write for back in the day before he became all famous and now makes Black Mirror, the TV show. Right. But he was a big influence on me as a writer because the tone of UK games journalism at the time, I thought, was always very informal, very punky. Mm -hmm. There used to be like a... I don't know if America ever had an equivalent to this, but we had this thing in the UK called Teletext. Do you know what that is? Uh-uh. It was this thing where you'd press a button on your TV remote and it would bring up like, it's basically like a website, but on your it came through your TV. Hmm. It would just be like a screen of plain text and they could change the colors and they could add, do like simple pixel art. And it was like a, a magazine that you got through your TV. Interesting. 
Nope. Never, the, never anything like that. that. Not that I recall. <laughs> no, not, not huh. that I think so. I mean, like my, most of my, yeah, I mean, most, most of my introduction to like games and media was, was through, uh, the game magazines, like game informer, like I said, and then like, uh, official Xbox magazine I'd, or, or like, uh, I think I would grab a PC gamer too. And I only grabbed those for the demo discs when I used to include that stuff. Yes. Which was an important part of the gaming experience at the time because it was the only way you could really get hands on with a game. Right. Before you decided you want to buy it or not. I think the only other games media I really interacted with before actually getting it myself was I watched, I watched X play every now and again. Mm. Yeah, that was, that was about my extent to it. Like, uh, it's my, Getting into games media for me, like I didn't have like a lot of there. There was no like I can't I couldn't even tell you like a named journalist that I followed because I was actually interested in the journalism. Like I mostly looked at the magazines for the pretty pictures. <laughs> well, so, that, I guess yeah, I guess that's the difference between the US and UK games journalism in the nineties because all the games magazines in the UK were all very like matey. Yeah, and you knew all the names of all the reviewers, and uh, they all had like their own a specific character voice and they'd talk about they'd talk shit about each other in the pages of the magazine yeah it was in jokey i did some um magazine writing in australia back in the day for hyper magazine did you say hyper it was called hyper yes <laughs> just a general games magazine i just wrote like silly little features for it and uh-huh. i brought up teletext earlier because there was a uh a teletext site called digitizer which was a video game like review page mm-hmm. and that was like the ultimate in in jokey weirdness absolutely none of this was just repeating what the publishers said this was all weird characters and weird tangential descriptions of games and it was fun you know it was you felt like part of a community it was punky it was like reading a zine do you ever publish a zine when you were a teenager no <laughs> just people would just you know write out their teenage thoughts and poems and just uh, stitch them together and give them away at the local community center. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Maybe, it may, it may just be that I wasn't exposed to a lot of this, but like the only magazine I could think of that like really had a community around it was maybe GamePro here. Right. Well, but, video games in the UK were very niche, and right. so the enthusiast press was niche in turn. Yeah. As, as you were. Yeah, gaming, I mean... Pretty much when I got onto the scene in 2009, that's when like the there was just an explosion of of games media outlets because that's kind of like when people started figuring out, uh, you know, Blogger and and WordPress and all those sites. Because I know mm-hmm. like DSO Gaming launched right around then, my site launched then, Gaming Bolt, all these all these other small mid tier sites which there aren't a lot of anymore already because the advertising no. industry killed them all. But uh, yeah, <laughs> there wasn't. Until, like, as far as I know, like, until YouTube started getting big into gaming, there, I can't really, if, and aside from X-Play, like, I don't recall, like, anybody, any big personalities in actual written media, because it was mm. all just kind of publisher talk and, and promoting games, really, is what I saw it as. I, you know, I never, Edge, Edge may be the one that's kind of the outlier there, but I never got into Edge. Before it, yeah, as you, before it came down. As you say, we both sort of got started as professionals on the internet. Yep. And uh, the internet has gone through its own phases. Mm-hmm. Do you remember 
GameSpy, the website. Yep, I remember GameSpy. I used that a lot. I remember I used to come to that a lot because I used to like read Penny Arcade regularly. This was mm-hmm. like way back. Penny Arcade started '97, didn't it? It's like crazy old that that comic, and it's still going. <laughs> astonishingly, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't judge. I've been doing zero punctuation for like. 15 years <laughs> right you're getting comments from people saying oh i used to really like that in high school and then i want to kill myself <laughs> one of my old girlfriends said that yeah well you, I wanted you to started kill myself that, even more you started zero punctuation when i was 13 years old so <laughs> and now i'm your boss <laughs> oh bro. Uh, yeah, that makes you feel old that, man yeah. <laughs> well yeah you're in charge nick i have to do everything you say um yeah so it started on the internet with stuff like GameSpy and uh, the mid-tier sites yep yeah we want to say youtube ruined everything you know no i don't think i don't think youtube caused the massive shift that people think it did um i think it was i think it was more just social media in general when Mm. And that's oh, kind of yeah. that's kind of like what I'm talking about. Like when you when you go back to the magazines, right? You didn't really think about a personality. You thought about the brand. Who was you know? You thought about what Game Informer was writing or Game Pro was writing. Nowadays, it's you know what is Yahtzee saying? What is Nick saying? Ah, uh, so it's gone back, is what you're saying? Yeah, well, it's like, gone back to being about personalities, or rather, right. for, from your perspective, for the first time, it is now about personalities. It, yeah, it can be. I mean, X, like I said, X-Play, at least in the United States, I think was really the only place that, you know, anybody could tell you that, oh, I, I knew exactly who was running that show. And mm. watching that kind of reform right now is kind of weird for me, but. <laughs> oh, man. Gaming TV shows. Did that ever, has there ever been a good one of those? <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, I mean, uh, X, X-Play was TV, fun when I was a teenager. I don't know how I'd like it now. <laughs> Yeah, there were a couple of video game-based magazine shows in the UK. Mm-hmm. There was one called Games Master that was more like a game show where kids would come on and play video games. Right. But it had this weird, grungy, industrial, cyberpunk sort of tone to it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Double Dare. Well, Whatever you're picturing, it's not. It's not probably not like that. Had this. They had this elderly like astronomer, TV astronomer called uh, Patrick Moore, and they'd like put a. CG'd him into this big like cyberpunk head that would give advice to small children <laughs> who were asking for questions about video games. And it was thinking back to it, it was really fucking surreal. Wow. Huh. And we had some had some other shows like Bad Influence that I think reflected the UK games magazine vibe as well, and that they they all had that sort of punk vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get, well it, that's like the other shift, right? So like back in the day, you either had corporate media or you had really like niche games coverage with like a, a weird hook and twist to it you know mm. x x play was part of like well g4 and everything and they did all those kind of weird extra bits and everything that gone that went with it uh and now nowadays it's you know you have you have your corporate medias you have your your independent medias and a lot of it like i wouldn't i wouldn't say a lot of it has like a unique voice anymore it all kind of blends together to me I can't think well, of like any site. I mean, like you got zero punctuation. You have like Jim Sterling kind of doing stuff, uh, but aside from the rest of it, like it's all, it's not really like edgy or, or grungy. You know that kind of stuff like it used to be. Well, I think of like uh, games journalism at the moment, and I think it's all in YouTube videos. Basically, I don't think 
hardly anyone goes to actual sites to read reviews of games at this point. Is there really a, I mean, is there really a point to when it's a, such a visual medium? Like it's well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of where we do three minute reviews for all the indies instead of writing about them. It's because like yeah. people want to see what's being shown on screen; they don't want to read about it anymore. Yeah, people talk about the YouTubers they follow. Mm-hmm. They get their knowledge of games from watching streams and watching long plays, right? And uh, long form video essays and stuff. Or at least I do. Mm-hmm. And then I think of like what. Like the corporate sites bring out, and it's all like just listicle videos and things. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it feels like it's been like workshop to oblivion to appeal to the algorithm. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The chat's correct me, Jim Stephanie Sterling. I have to remember that. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that well, that, and that's kind of like what forced us to shift. It just on escapes itself, right? Because like I, I took over. I was like, all right, well. Uh, we can still do all the normal news and critique and reviews and all that. And it's just like that, that model doesn't work anymore. People, mm. people want video in bite-sized formats. Uh, and if we're going to do written work, it has to be, it has to be unique and have a voice to it. And that's like why so much of our stuff is focused on columns and, and finding personalities that people will be drawn to even on the written side of things. Like, I don't think you can really, you know, unless you're going to clickbait every story nowadays, you can't really run a website on just rehashing news that people are just going to get from Twitter or a YouTuber or whatever. Well, quite. I guess gaming media these days is more like a fine mist that's sprayed into the air over the heads of the people, and we notice it fleetingly as it brushes against our head. Yeah. <laughs> from just, like, viewing a headline as it sprinkles past, as it trickles down the Twitter feed, and then we move on with our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Interesting even- to think of it like that. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was running OLSP from 2012 to 2016, like, we would try to get every little detail about the games we were covering. Like, oh, game has new weapon. Okay, that's worth reporting on. And, and oh, game has 10 to 20 hours of content. That's worth reporting on. And now, now when I'm covering news in 2021, I'm like, I don't, like, that stuff just doesn't seem interesting or important to me. Well, uh, not that important anyway, I'd say. You you, you think so, but of... when you're targeting, well, that's a problem. Like you're targeting SEO for that stuff all the time, and it's just not interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like entertainment journalism generally these days, because it always yeah. just random little sprays of mist throughout, and so it's all fixated on stuff like, oh, uh, we now know what the Riddler in the new Batman movie is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Here's a zoomed-in picture. Let's speculate endlessly on this one picture <laughs> yep <laughs> it's a it's what 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 do we know nothing yeah what do we want to know everything <laughs> it's so just keep talking keep talking yep i mean that's that's literally rolling news my, rolling news like, i remember when they started 24 hour rolling news oh, and man. i was like how could they possibly fill 24 hours of news oh because they can't <laughs> there's nothing to talk about after a while surely yep Every, yeah that's my, my favorite articles that sites do nowadays are everything we know about starfield and yeah. it's like we know the title. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Starfield. Oh, um, there's probably going to be stars in it. <laughs> yes. Possibly arranged into a field. Right. Maybe not. Maybe that's the sort of outside the box thinking we've come to expect from these developers. <laughs> it will have gameplay. <laughs> even yeah. That's not, even that's not a sure thing these days. There's like with so many things. There's too much. Like, like so many things. I wish we could go back to just when it was just. Some editor 
or expert curates the important stuff into mm-hmm. uh, like easily digestible samples, like a monthly magazine or a weekly TV show. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when the onus is not on us to figure out what is true and what is interesting. Well, sorry. So you've you've been at the Escapist for as almost as long as it's been around. So you've specifically yeah. watched one outlet just transform itself multiple times. So what's your, what's your perspective on just like how games media has evolved then? Well, because it, it's a lot different now it, than it was ten years ago, <laughs> even five. Well, years ago. I can. Well, I do tend to be a little sort of focused on my own thing, mm-hmm. and my own thing hasn't changed at all. <laughs> yeah. I've I've started doing little five minute quick reviews, and that's exactly what I still do now. Mm-hmm. I am like the rock in the stream that everything else has moved around. I think of Varys's line in Game of Thrones: "Throw me in the sea, and you might be disappointed by the result. The big fish eat the little fish, and I just keep on swimming." <laughs> <coughs> All right, but you've but you've also watched like I mean you were you were saying so you read magazines when you're growing up. Yeah, well, when I then- started. When I started, I was riding on the angry video game nerd nostalgia critic sort of train, mm-hmm. which that all started when YouTube and uh, general video hosting became a thing, and anyone could do it. That was the that was uh, the advantage. Mm-hmm. It's, it was a true meritocratic time when the good stuff actually floated to the surface, or the most noticeable stuff. People who shouted the loudest and had the funniest personalities, and these days. A lot of those sorts of personalities have sort of faded. They try to leverage it into doing different new things and uh, it all sort of blows up in their face. <laughs> have they have they really faded or is it just people doing new things? Because, well, I guess like, they faded into the background noise just because there's so much of everything else. Yeah, right. Cause, I mean, and, if you look, and if you look at something like Nostalgia Critic these days, he's like still doing his thing and that approach feels really old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. Like it really feels like he's still trying to do it like he did back when no one really uh, cared that the product was high quality. Right, right. We were just uh, felt invested in that you could just do that. Someone in a room with a white wall behind themselves and a webcam could just have a big old shouty rant about something and be heard around the world. Well, I'll tell These you, days, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I was going to, um, one way that I, I feel like maybe the perception of, because you said your, your stuff hasn't changed, right? What's been interesting to watch is like the Reddit, Reddit community on our games. Every time mm. zero punctuation was posted there a few years ago, completely upvoted to the top. And then within mm. like the last two years, and I'm sure you've noticed it, like it gets downvoted almost immediately and people are like, I'm tired of the whatever he's doing, right? And then people have yeah. to come in and be like, well, that's, you know, he doesn't actually hate everything. You're just not watching it kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Well, that's because the social media has also evolved things in that, and there's a big focus on identity politics now as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And these days, these days, people crawl up your ass if you say retard too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, sure. you can't. You, so if you want to like secure your audience, you have had to like tone things down a bit, right? 
I mean, that, that's that's just going to change with the times. It's just I think it's like nowadays it's harder to pull off the the angry gamer critic because of stuff like that where you can't you know you have to watch everything you say and be mm. be conscious of like the social environment you're in now when a lot of the times like total biscuit and and you and and, and like uh, stephanie sterling you could all get around that stuff because people just kind of accepted it and now it's now it doesn't you know what i think helps hmm. having a british accent yeah it's, sound, it's there's easier to tell sarcasm in British accents. There's <laughs> something about the British accent that just sounds a lot more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And anything you say in an accent like mine just sounds sarcastic. Mm-hmm. So if people want to believe that I'm pretending to be a nasty person, or they want to pretend I generally am a nasty person because of the words I use, mm. I'm basically a blank slate because of all the sarcasm. They can choose as much or as little of it as sincere as they want to believe. Yeah, because I think that's kind of the point I was getting. I was like, I don't know if the angry critic personality is so far faded into the background. I think it's just evolved, and you kind of brought it up with like the, the politics stuff, right? People are mm. a lot of the games criticism has kind of shifted to focusing on like socio political political elements as like a, a a hook for their coverage. Yes, and I think if you shift your shift your anger so that you're not punching down, right. A lot of people like still respond to that, especially with current events being what they are mm-hmm. and uh, the massive inequality in the world today. So just you know, and that, focus, and that's, on, focus on the rich corporations being assholes, right? And that's well, that's why I, I tied this one to the Far Cry Six picture and I sent you that link. So for oh, anybody, yes. for anybody Ubisoft wondering, have, <laughs> Ubisoft uh, are finally admitting that their games are political. Yeah, well, for anybody wondering what happened, it's like basically. The the gamer ran an interview, which is so funny. It's, it's a website called The Gamer, and they constantly trash their audience. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, so they ran an interview with the developers of Far Cry Six, and in the interview, they were asking the, the age old question: Now, is your game political? Like, what does that even mean nowadays? And mm-hmm. in in the in the answer to that question, they were like, "Yeah, we're not making a specific statement." on the politics of Cuba, even though the game is kind of inspired by it in other dictatorship lands and, uh, you know, the, the politics of guerrilla warfare and all that. And, and so then the developers had to go out and realize that statement that I sent you with the, the narrative designer, narrative director basically saying like, Hey, yeah, our game is obviously political. We're just not making specific yeah. statements about anything. And that's, so we were streaming. Yeah. Uh, we were streaming yesterday in the editor's hour. And I just kind of like, like you are never going to get from a company like Ubisoft a statement like like what these people are looking for. I don't think you're ever going to get it because also they're not even taking into account that Far Cry Six isn't just made in uh, whatever Ubisoft Studios making Ubisoft Montreal maybe. Uh, I mean they're working with outsourcing companies all over the world. So like to make a statement that encapsulates everybody being on the same page for a game like that, I don't think that's ever going to happen. It shouldn't even be expected to happen. Well, no. I mean, yeah, how can you be political when you have to create so broad a product as a AAA game these days? Right. I mean, all the Ubisoft games say, I mean, people say their games aren't political, and Ubisoft have always, like, up to now, has said their games aren't political. Even when they were making games like Watch Dogs Legion, which is literally a game about what happens after Brexit. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But if they said they're not, they haven't really said that they're not political. They're just saying they're not making a direct political statement. Which well, I, I don't I know how you, I don't know. It, but they kind of are. Yeah, right. Well, if you're going to use a, di- I mean, that game is directly set after Brexit, and not even in a yeah. fictional land. At least Far Cry Six is set in fictional island somewhere in the sea. Well, if you look at if you look at Ubisoft, if you look at other Ubisoft sandbox games like Far Cry Five, mm-hmm. or um, what's that other one, Division Two, and maybe the recent uh, Ghost Recon games. Yep then I think I kind of see what they mean when they say they're not political or not making a political statement because the villain, the like enemy faction in those games is always just the other guys. Yeah, right. It's just, you know, the baddies. They right. don't really have any, make any statement about what kind of people they are. It's always just, these are the, the nasty, selfish people who just want to tear down what we've created. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's... To me, every every Far Cry game, every Watch Dogs game is just like schlock. They're not. I don't ever expect to get a story out of that that's going to actually say something to me. Unlike yeah. Disco Elysium or, or whatever, you know. Like those I think games, a lot of games like the, that have something to say. A company like Ubisoft wants to make money and they don't want to offend literally anyone. I yeah. mean, Far Cry Five, you could say, was about like American gun nut culture, but. You know the the evil cult in that game are are, are extremely liberal. Yeah, in the way they act, they're all like taking drugs and uh, running around religious. with handguns. <laughs> yeah, religious cult basically. Yeah, yeah. So, like the villains of Far Cry Five could just cover every basis. Yeah, they're religious cult gun nuts, but also drug using like free spirited hippies. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm kind of saying. Like, I just I don't I don't when people ask like for them to make a political statement, like, what do you want them to say? I don't I don't know mm. what the end goal is there because of like people I don't want to like, know they're on people want to know they're on their side. Yeah, or I get in an that. increasingly partisan country. Uh, uh, quick, quick, Nick, uh, tell me what you think of the capital rioters on January six. Shouldn't have happened. They're all treasers. <laughs> treasonous. Well, well, there you go. That's what people want to hear. Yep, they want to hear that you're on our. But I mean, that's a that's such a well that that's an easy event to say that about, though. Well, you say that, but you know, look at the fucking Republican Party. That's that's true. We're like in control of half the country at this point. That's very true. But that's a far different subject from games criticism. People, people want to know that you're on their side because people are scared, man. It's a very divided partisan situation in the in the world today. Yeah, well, but I think that's where like the conflict comes in for games criticism. Though, is like, are you criticizing the game or the ideology of the game? Right. It's yeah. better so best just to like avoid there being any ideology in the game whatsoever. So that you but know, I'm trying to get people just to focus on to try to focus on how nice the gameplay is. Right. Because no, no, I know if I made a game, that's definitely what I wouldn't want people to focus on. Right. But and that's kind of what I was saying. Like I just I don't know with the the press today. Like I don't know how you look at a game like Far Cry and wonder is it political or not? Because of course it is. Yeah. yeah. But if you're expecting a, a multinational corporation to say this is our statement on this game, that's a fictional event. I don't like. You're not going to get something out of that. So like, I, you it would know, be people... nice though. Would would be nice though, wouldn't it? It would be nice if a big corporation said, yeah. "Hey." 
the people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th are evil and right. we oppose their entire ideology and everything about them. Right. But, you know, before you know, it's another civil war. But you're, you're also a fiction writer. So, I mean, like, there's eventually there's going to be books and, and movies that fictionalize an event like that. You know, you, well, you already yeah, have, I mean, you're, I mean, you kind of already have that with like the move, like the London has fallen movies and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, action, well, yeah. or action movies like that. There's always some political commentary on, you know, the government or whatever. I just don't feel like we get the same kind of criticism for a movie like that. I mean, it's mm. just, people just look at it as dumb action movie. Far Cry to me is just dumb action game. It's not, <laughs> you know. Mm. That being said, like I still want, I still want there to be criticism of it. I just think that yeah. there's more interesting ways to criticize something like that than say, "Oh, is it political? Oh, they're not saying it is." Uh, you know, write our clickbait stuff. Like, let's break it down and look at it. Uh, one of the examples I had when I was speaking with somebody on Twitter was like, uh, you know, Jurassic Park. Right? You watch that movie as a kid, and you, you're not thinking about any of the political elements of that that movie. Then you go into literature and then you read the book and then you get into the, all the political socio stuff about that. And it's like super, it just broadens your interest in it because how deep and crazy, like, you know, things that you didn't even think about watching it for the first time. Mm. So like, I think when a lot of times we get into the, you know, is it political? People just get annoyed and walk away from it. Cause that's not an interesting discussion to have. An interesting discussion is like, how, well, is, not how if- does Far Cry six break down dictatorships and all that? And what does it have to well, say about that? Well, not everyone walks away from the argument when politics comes into it. Mm-hmm. And then you get people who really want to stir up argument. Right. I like kind of people who just want to, you know, start a fight. Like they, they see uh, Assassin's Creed Unity doesn't let you play as anything other than the main character in mm-hmm. the multiplayer. And they just, they just, uh, like posting articles saying Ubisoft is sexist. Mm-hmm. Ubisoft hates women, and that's that's just stirring shit. That's not profitable debate, in my view. Does that even need to be a debate though? Was just people? Well, I guess you're right. People make it a debate rather than just, "Hey, can we have a character customizer like that? Like, woman want to be represented in the game? Let's have that." Well, people stir it up because they want attention, and that's the problem with the mass media, because people are trying to make a living, and the best way to make a living is to draw the most attention, so you just say outrageous shit that makes everyone yell at each other. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. <laughs> I've always hated that saying. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, her college, my college professor went all over that, and I'm like, eh, that's, I hate that that's so true. Like, outrage, mm. outrage sells over huh? nuanced discussions. I think um, the media is probably one of the biggest culprits in the way modern society has unfolded in recent years. Oh, absolutely. The way the media shapes discourse. In fact, if I... Sometimes I have this weird fantasy where I think about if I had the power to just erase one person from history and all the influence they had upon the world, I would pick Rupert Murdoch. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Possible I've said that before. Probably. Because, you know, all this Fox News shit where they, all this blatantly biased, blatantly partisan news mm. that accuses everything else of like 
shilling for the left or whatever, just because it's, you know, trying to report objective reality. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I mean, the entire just journalism as a whole has become about not so much of telling the story. It's become about, you know, right or wrong. I, I don't know. I don't even know how to word it. Like it, cause I don't want to say like partisan politics, but I mean, well, it's, it, but it's, it's telling when you can read one media organization like CNN and you know exactly right. where they, they land on everything. Or I can, re- you know, you can go read Fox news and you know exactly where they land on everything they're talking about. Instead of just right. like I can't, I can't read the news and just be told what is happening. I have to have somebody interjecting their own beliefs and opinions into it. It's like I just want to know the facts, and that's that's what scares me the most about criticism and, and journalism in general. It's just like I can't read something and know think is this actually true? I don't know. Well, quite. I think the healthiest thing to do these days is just multiple stop sources. reading the news. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd do that, but I go like I, I just at some I, point. I think at some point people just need to turn off and focus on their actual lives. And, you know, yes, maybe yeah. you wake up in the morning, you go to work, yeah, meet a nice person in the coffee shop, uh, yeah. you go home and play with your kids. Just from that perspective, life will probably seem very nice. But then you like read about how uh, some, like, one county in Texas with one police officer murdered one black person. And then it gets, and then it's uh, this one event, this one like rare horrific event, mm-hmm. just becomes part of your everyone's day. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean that's that's the age of social media. Like you, I mean, you I, you obviously don't. You, I mean, you use, you use social media enough, but not you're not connected to it because. Well, that's that's kind of like where I make the distinction for you as a, a games critic, right? You're not staying up to date with everything that's going on all the time you're kind of honed in on here i gotta do i'm gonna do my game review my zero punctuation right yeah and then to avoid the hype and the previews of the games Mm -hmm. i try to just judge them by the games themselves right and then as me being more traditional media like i'm always reading information and i see a story and then i start digging into it and then i go on another thread and another thread and you just kind of go you know all, all over the place with it so that that's been like the interesting thing of like when when something like what you mentioned happens, right? You you're like, okay, I've seen a clip of the video. Where's the full video? Where are the witnesses? Kind of thing. You know, where where am I getting the full story from? Uh, and I think that's where, like, kind of what you're saying about like in the age of social media, that information is so spread apart. It's just hard to get to what is happening. How do I, what do I know for sure is going on? Yes, everyone in the chat saying yes. Yes, all right. Maybe unarmed people getting killed by police isn't as rare as it should be right. these days, but um, perhaps that was a bad example. I'm just saying I, I, that... The example know. was more of like a, a shock event, and yeah. it's just, you know, shock, shocking events happen. The media plays it up that shocking events happen more often than you might think they do, but I don't yes. know. When you're in a world as massive as this, like, you know, shocking events happen all the time. I think you end up with a sort of very negative view of the world yes absolutely if, if you just let media define your view of the world what i'm saying is like you know look at the world around you physically mm-hmm. and like you know start with that and you might you know feel a bit better about things mm-hmm. yeah I, I know unless people, you live in well, people are sitting in chat act, acting like you know you don't think that happens very often it, it, again it's just the, sh- the shock of the event 
is all. I think you really all well, quite. I mean, if it if it happened all the time, it wouldn't be shocking, would it? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it. It's a paradox of news, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it happens enough that if something's newsworthy, then it's an un, then it's an uncommon event. Yeah. So, by its very nature, the news doesn't give you a realistic view of the world generally. Right. I think maybe maybe the maybe the shock of it because I mean it happens often enough that it's like it feels like it's part of our normal news culture now and that's un- really yeah. sad and unfortunate. I think or even just even it's just the, like, it's the it's almost like the way it happens now is the shock, not that it happened, and that's what's really scary. <laughs> but we're we're I mean, diver- just, diverging so far off games criticism. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I, perhaps it's time we uh, went to super chats. Yeah. Uh, I mean. How long have we been going already? Over half an hour. Over half an hour. I don't think we really got in the meat of the games criticism discussion. How that's changed because I think we 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 touched on. Oh, so she, fine, yes. We touched on the political elements of like you know the angry the Amy, angry gamer persona has been kind of replaced by that. Uh, oh well, yeah, true. Wasn't wasn't there a comic strip by the guys who used to be on the Escapist where it's like three panels? Uh, gaming in the 90s yeah yeah saying, the game exactly you like is about. awesome gaming the 2000s dude who looks a lot like me saying mm-hmm. that game you like is terrible gaming in the 20 in the 2010s that game you like is racist yeah that's it's kind of how a lot of well that's that's what i'm saying like i i think it's fine it's absolutely fine to point out those problems in games and media if it's there uh but i just wanted to i wanted to because that's that's when like um when Russ when Russ launched the site and he said oh we're not gonna he never said the site was gonna be apolitical but he basically said like politics isn't gonna be the end all be all for our coverage and like I almost have the same stance but it's just like if we're gonna talk about these issues let's make it interesting and informative for people to learn and and understand from and instead a lot of the times it, you never get there when it's just thrown on social media and it's outrage. There's no learning. There's no learning from it or taking something away from it, other than oh, everybody's yelling. Time to mute or ignore it. Well, are you saying video games should just focus on reviewing the game? <laughs> no, absolutely not. That's that's what I'm saying. Like the criticism, the criticism, the way it's written, just isn't interesting a lot of the time because it's written in like this passive aggressive voice rather than saying. It's like an article I keep referring to is like Stacey Henley wrote for us about how just the the gameplay changed in spider-man miles morales compared to the uh the other spider-man game because his world was centered around his his uh ethnicity uh because you're in a different part of well you're in the same part of new york but it like felt like a different area because you're seeing a different side of culture yeah Um, yeah i remember that yeah and then like uh kc like wrote some criticism about like like uh black hair in games and how developers just haven't really done it right over time uh, and how they can how they can improve it, but it, like we made sure when he was writing it, like let's not come off as like, you know, developers suck or you know you're not you're you're not trying. It's just like here's suggestions to make it better. Uh, and so like a lot of the a lot of the discourse around games just comes off so like agonizing, like just patronizing towards developers who I think really are trying to do their best and are just maybe you know they don't have they're ignorant or or, or you know, just not informed enough. I don't. I don't know how to really describe it, but I think it's more of a. It's more of a matter of like when you're gonna 
criticize something, you want people to listen to it. You don't want to just look at it as like, I'm screaming about this because I'm, I'm, I'm mad about it kind of thing. Well, I guess I do feel that over the years, my style has shifted from the angry critic, critic nitpicking everything mm-hmm. to me actually wanting to genuinely analyze stuff. Really just sort of, not so much, you know, the motives behind people making it, but um, what it means culturally, mm-hmm. I suppose. Where we are as a people. What does it mean that we like playing games about shooting foreigners? Right. And um, are we really, is the medium of video games actually evolving? And does this sort of discourse help it evolve? Mm-hmm. What I, what I find is very positive about video game commentary these days is a lot of people on YouTube that get like millions of views are doing these long-form analytical essay stuff that's not just talking about whether the mechanics are fun. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I bet, I bet you found it... Here. Yeah, well, I bet you found it interesting when you reviewed The Last of Us Part Two, And I think a lot of people took exception to the comment that you made about, you know, just your the characteristics of a character don't make an interesting character. Yeah, a lot of people were in agreement with me on that, I think. I think yeah. the most thing, the part of that review most people were shitty about was the bit at the end where I said that, or I implied the main character was retroactively made a lesbian. Well, that, yeah, that, I mean, that was just incorrect because they, they made that in the, unless you're looking at Left Behind as retroactive, yes. Um, but there were hints at there were hints at that in the original game anyway. But Well, let's not get back into that. <laughs> yeah, right. But I mean, that that was like your... I I don't know. I I guess I moderated a lot of the comments that were really nasty toward you, but like there were there were comments that were talking about just that specific point that you said just just because such and such is such doesn't make it an interesting character like the writing. Well, I was saying that a character isn't necessarily interesting just because they are sad. Right. Or because they make morally questionable actions or because they get beaten up a lot or because they're a minority. Mhm. And that a character has to be... You don't have to like a character, they just have to be interesting to watch. And I didn't think the main characters of The Last of Us 2 were interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. I thought they were just making endless bad decisions. Right. So, I don't know. I just, you know, I I think the the language of criticism of these, these topics and everything needs to keep evolving past social media. Because everybody posts their, their hottest take possible on social media, and that's where the criticism stops. And that's well, what, and that's what think, you're. Yeah, the thing about social media is, for a lot of people just don't read the comments on that, so they just see a statement and then that's it. Mm-hmm. There's no discourse there, as you say. Well, yeah, and and then you know what you were saying. You know, people don't read the websites. Like, I mean, <laughs> we we're, we work on the escapers. I'm glad people actually read our columns. Like, watching the you know actual discussions happening over Darren's darren's work on in the frame or or you know the the other columns we do like area of effect and all that like people are actually in there discussing these ideas and topics and you ha- i think you have to create the content that drive people to want to discuss these things if it's just going to be i'm angry all the time and i just want to piss everybody off with the hottest take you're never going to get those actual discussions to happen i've always kind of like i've always kind of like described as you know somebody calling somebody out with their their zipper open in a classroom and everything's everybody's just going to point and laugh at it. There, no, nothing's going to be said, <laughs> right? I think just to like drag things back, mm-hmm. um, the problem with a lot of media is the same as the problem with a lot of things, and that's just everything get more and more partisan. Yeah, 
So when you get, uh, most people just want to hear from people they agree with saying things they agree with. And if you want to encourage progress, there needs to be an exchange of disparate ideas. There needs to be a discourse. Mm-hmm. But these days, everything's been pushed to the fringe so much that the fringe is all you ever hear from. Right. And- so you hear, like, so someone makes a, says something that I really fringe, like all gay people should be killed. And then all the people who agree with them, they just post it in their, like, little uh, echo chambers. Mm-hmm. And enforce that amongst themselves. But then that also gets posted in the antithetical echo chambers. And everyone, like, you see a load of comments people, like, refuting them. And, like, you know, but, saying, I mean, like, this is, this is what the other side is like. Yeah. That, was, that literally just happened this weekend with the, the reveal of Horizon Forbidden West. And, you know, some guy with 28 followers on Twitter or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Posted this, about this alloy. <laughs> yeah, alloy. This is what it always is. One person with, like... Like, like, at most a hundred fringe lunatics. Like when people were saying, uh, complaining about Ghostbusters having all women, there were like, there were like a hundred fringe lunatics complaining about them all being women, and then Sony just deliberately played them up to make them look like some kind of underdog fighting against the man. Yeah. And this is all I once compared this sort of discourse to two basketball teams having bas- playing basketball in separate courts. With yeah. a great big wall in between the two. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, you know, when when everybody's amplifying all that bullshit, I don't yeah. know how you get to actual criticism that, that's going to be anything interesting. And, the, and the, worst, the worst part is, is that a lot of criticism revolves around responding to some random dickhead on Twitter. Right. <laughs> And it's like, oh, this is hugely representative of everybody. Let me let me spend a thousand words critiquing this guy. It's like, who cares? Write about the art you're critiquing. <laughs> I think all you need to do to solve this is you need to have more discourse between people who don't agree but respect each other. Without respect, hmm. there's no discourse. I think ideas and philosophies is a lot like genetics in a lot of ways. Because like genetics, if you don't have a mixture from all around the gene pool, you get inbreeding. And inbreeding creates stagnation and mutation and deformity. Hmm. If you see what I mean. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, obviously don't like um, give a platform to people talking about how all gay people should be killed. Right. But that's, but you know, you don't... Um, if you're in a big war, you don't go all the way into the general's tent and target the dude at the back of the firing line. Uh, the main people you combat are the people at the front of the firing lines. The people who are only mildly left-wing or mildly right-wing. These are the people who can make connections with each other. Yeah. And that's where discourse is needs to be happening. Well, it's it's that and like the advertising industry when we're we're so focused on clicks. It's very easy... I mean, like, honest to God, we we could have a much uh, a much higher view count on a lot of our YouTube videos if we just went and pulled, you know, the YouTuber strategy of big red text on a thumbnail talking about X X random person said awful thing on the internet today, yeah, and well, everybody flocks to it, and that's and that's all part of the, yeah, that's all that's, that's that's where all the money is, isn't it? And it's all about yep. making the most money, and that's why everything has gone to shit. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why you fund our subscriptions. 
Hey, so thanks, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I would, I would quit. Like, honest to God, if if I was asked to start doing like just just focus on traffic and like, thank God we haven't, but just focus on traffic, write up everything and everything. I would quit. I would not stay with games media. I would have no interest in covering games anymore if that's all I was asked to do. Mm. Uh, and the same with like, you know, building up, building. I will never build a personality around that shit either. Like, it's just not going to happen. Uh, and, and that's what that's what a lot of people do nowadays is like they build their personality around being outraged and angry about this stuff all the time and and then you go look at them and like I'm gonna, this is a real hot take but man like I've seen people they build their entire personality around that stuff then they go scrounging around for sponsorship deals and I'm just sitting there thinking like what have you actually created what do you do other it's than so, <laughs> yeah it's so fake isn't it yeah it's exactly fake and that's that's and like I'm as a reader, like people going around, I go around and read other websites stuff and all that too. When I see all that fakeness, it's hard for me to give any ounce of a damn about their content. It must be exhausting to have to try to live some kind of exaggerated persona. Oh, it's, it's ha- yeah. I'm sure I was tweeting about that the other day too. It's like, that, that has to be the most mentally draining thing you can possibly do. Where your mind that's is just like constantly to, fixated on being angry about this and that and this and that. That's why I like that I can keep people guessing, you know? Yeah. For 15 years, people have arguing where my politics lie. I'm just glad that I've never, no one's ever really been clear. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad I think, that I can be in the front line, sort of hop back and forth. Well, I think when people go online and call you all right, they're pretty far off, but. <laughs> Well, yes. That's yeah. that's, that's my that's my funniest yeah. thing, man. Is is watching like I check the I do all the moderation and it's like Yatsi was part of the tide of the alt rise of the alt right. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, I can explain that. People have this understanding that I was a supporter of Gamergate, right? As the late Total Biscuit was quite vocally, mm-hmm. and I guess I should clear that up because you know what? Yes, I was in favor of Gamergate, but that's that was when Gamergate was, as it so often claimed to be, about ethics and games journalism. Mm-hmm. When it first started, it, it, Gamergate was about, I felt, it was about uh, trying to expose the fact that so much game criticism and game uh, reviewing is in the pocket of the publisher. And mm-hmm. It's all like a big old circle jerk between the industry and the people talking about the industry. I think the problem with Gamergate is the problem with a lot of movements is that it had no actual clear ideology, so everyone right. interpreted it as they wanted. Right. Yeah. I'm just talking about how I interpret it, and like uh, uh, over time, it just either it became either because of how it was perceived or because how it was hijacked, just you know, a hate movement. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you know, anytime anybody brings up that nowadays, I'm like, I don't want to talk about Gamergate. Just if you want to talk about ethics and media and journalism, talk about that. Gamergate has yeah. nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it anymore. So I don't, yeah, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, <laughs> I was running only SP at the time and I get looped into all that shit too. And it's like, I had yeah. nothing to do with any of it. I don't care about that movement. Nothing about it is interesting. It's just like, well, moving hastily on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we should probably like address some super chats now before we run out of time. Sure. Okay. I got the big list up. PhysicsFox.org, who is doing a bit, it seems. 
gave us two twenty-two Great British pounds to say, "Oh no, rough help, rough. Oh God, Guru, rough my leg, rough, rough." They're on a three-week streak on that. Yeah, they're doing they're doing a thing. They've got a bit going. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for your money, PhysicsFunks.org. <laughs> Nerdy Hillbilly gave us five US dollars to say, "I remember when publishers would hold exclusive content coverage as bait to media, but since we are always connected, it ain't as important anymore." They still do that, though. <laughs> that never went away. Yeah, they still like threatened uh, or actually do withhold review codes from people who haven't played ball in the past. Don't we still have like a really bad relationship with Sony because of that? Uh, it's gotten better. I just, yeah. I mean, the whole. I mean, they'll they'll send us review code for for games now, but I mean, as far as like the PS5 console when I like I was watching like. They they were trying to give them out to as many people as possible, I guess. Even smaller creators, it's just like it, it's so different from when even when I was starting out. Like you, people people nowadays just go on social media and just kind of like go the publishers and developers into free stuff. And mm-hmm. it, uh, just to me, that's annoying because like I, I know how hard I had to work just to get my first review copy. And I was like, wow, like I don't have to go out and pay for this anymore. I can actually just do my job and keep get coverage in on time. And, you know, a lot of that's just the exclusives and, and all that. It's just, yeah. I mean. Well, <laughs> my reviews take a few weeks to make anyway. So yeah, I mean. Kind of used to me being late. So well, that's, what I, I, that's what I love about working here is like, you know, zero punctuation. People, 300,000 people are going to watch it, a review on Returnal if you post it three weeks later. Or, yeah. you know, our three-minute reviews, yeah, they get 10,000 views on the go because we're covering small indie games that nobody else covers. And then as soon as that game goes to Game Pass, those videos blow up. So it's like, we don't have to follow. We really don't follow much of a publisher schedule. And people were calling us out for the Biomutant video that Marty did. Cause they're like, Oh, well, I thought you weren't targeting the algorithm. Well, we had the copy two weeks in advance so we could actually do something with it. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't happen that often. Nope. There you go. You know, it's great that when your game, when your review comes out like three weeks down the time, you sort of bypass all the like initial shit flinging that comes out when a game has just come out yes and people like are still like clinging to the idea that it's good (laughs) i love people like everybody comments on our review like they've played the game it's like what biomutant was i knew the discourse around bio the second i started biomutant i knew the game was going to get that kind of discourse i knew it Uh, yeah hype 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 kills your brain uh, Al Abdul Rahman Alawadi gives five US dollars to say, Yeah, so you mentioned enjoying long form video essays. What are the creators that you enjoy the most? Love what you guys do. Keep up the good stuff. Well, obviously, I'm a big fan of Red Letter Media, whose videos have only been getting longer since they started. Um, I like uh, Game Maker's Toolkit and uh, the other one. There's, there's two that I follow there's Game Maker's Toolkit and. It's something with a similar name. But they do the same sort of thing. Hang a on, lot of those look at my subscriptions. Oh, I, I can't. Racific oh, well. content? I don't even know if I said his name right. Yeah, specific about like game designs, like uh, analytical stuff. Hmm. I like folding ideas. I've been watching a fair bit of that. I like um, Ross Scott, Accursed Farms, Game Dungeon, all of that. What about you, Nick? Who who have you been watching lately? Uh, well, because I create, we create so much of that stuff. I try not to watch too much because I don't want it to influence our own work. Uh, 
yeah, especially you know like when we're working on documentaries i kind of work on that stuff but yeah i mean like no no clip i watch all that stuff uh mm. I've been like skill up. I actually have been watching a bit more. I really like the way he, he talks about games. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't really don't watch a whole lot of YouTube content. Hmm. Well, who has the time these days? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I do appreciate like reviewing boring games for that. I can mm. just stick like a YouTube video essay on in the background while I'm grinding my way through dungeons. There, oh, there's, there's a good i think it's called good good blood he just did some in an essay on like uh the most recent god of war that was incredible hmm. i'll share a link later uh marshall graham gives five us dollars to say just got on the stream thanks for the great content i tried demasculating my dog like you recommended but he seems to like it what do i do now <laughs> enjoy your happy dog treats <laughs> Yeah, I suggested, like, uh, if your dog barks at other dogs, just, like, pick him up and go all, who's your good boy? Yeah, I can't, and I can't embarrass do that with him. Max. It just, <laughs> Max is funny. Like, he, well, there's a dog below me now that barks all the goddamn time. And mm. uh, now when Max barks, I'll be sitting, like, playing my game on the couch, and then he'll look behind me to see if I'm, no, no, no. <laughs> he's, he's like, okay, I won't do it anymore. So get a border collie if you want them to listen to you. Yeah, those are smart dogs. They're too smart. Chihuahua's not so much, turns out. <laughs> Scavenger gives a regular commenter, gives 10 US dollars to say, I find YouTube reviews of games have the same problem as reviews of other products. I can't trust if they're honest or if money or the desire for it has influenced it. If I'm nice, I get stuff. Well, I think uh, the opposite might be true. If you're like uh, controversial and insulting, you get more attention and more views. So people like deliberately play that up, but I guess like they're both being dishonest in their own way. Yeah, I mean, I think you're gonna get that with any like personality-driven review, with like three-minute reviews that you know they're not really personality-driven; they're just informative. Uh, so we don't like get the same kind of comments that you might get if if you did something like that. So I don't I don't know I like if I I guess if you can't trust game reviews, don't watch them then. <laughs> You know, if you're yeah, find someone you find someone you can trust. There's no shortage of game reviewers on YouTube. Find someone you like. I, feel, I mean, I feel like we're pretty honest. <laughs> I like to think so. I think I've I think, never, well, I've it's never funny. lied about. I've never lied and said I didn't like a game when I actually did. Yeah, I don't know or why you do that, versa. anyways. <laughs> no. Just to avoid the comments, but I think like well, it's well, funny like people Facebook. Seem, people, people seem to think I'm just that guy who hates games just for its own sake all the time. Right. Well, face- like I said, I have never lied about not liking a game that I actually liked, and you can quote me on that. People on uh, people in the comments in general think like we hate everything. It's just like no, we're we're pretty. I think we're far more critical than almost any other outlet out there, honest to God. Uh, and when we but when we like something, like we really let you know it. <laughs> Uh, Nick Green gives $5 to say, question for Yahtzee regarding Persona 5 Royal. What did you think of the characters of Akechi and Maruki with no spoilers? Well, it's hard to talk about those characters without spoilers. Um, (laughs) And it's kind of hard to comment on them because I kind of had those characters spoiled for me before I played through the game. So I went to the whole game knowing, oh, they're going to do such and such. Mm. So yeah, they were... um, well, 
even devoid of that context, Akechi came across as a massive prick. Just for my view. Hope that answers your question. <laughs> we also missed Quit108. Welcome to Early Access. Thanks for your support. Oh, thank you very much. Scavenger again gives $10 to say, I wonder if part of the problem is that games are too big an industry now. Billion dollar industries, but no clear voice or personality. It's like Shadowrun, but without the personality. Well, that's society in general, isn't it? Turning into cyberpunk corporate hellhole. Remember when video game developers put their names on the front of the box? Sid Meier's Civilization? Or uh, Clive Barker's Undying? Yeah. Who's done uh, that lately? Nobody. Kojima? (laughs) No, even his name, even his, his name's not on the Death Stranding box art, is it? No, although it is, his name is all over it. But right. Japan, like they're different. They very specifically have a uh, someone acting as a director on the games. Yeah. There's so there's not, a bit more of an auteurism focus on the Japanese games. Yeah, there's not really shit. I can't even think of a Western game designer that would put their name on the box anymore. Tom Clancy doesn't count, Lucas DeLuca. Tom Clancy's <laughs> dead. Tom Clancy's just a brand now. Yep. Uh, wow, yeah. Is there any... Someone mentioned uh, getting over it with Bennett Foddy. Eps0011 mentioned that. I think... Which is... I think that's sort of, more sort of an ironic example. I think Joseph Fares might be one Western game designer that would put his name on, on the box. Hmm. But yeah, I can't think of anybody else anymore. Unless, the, unless, they're, um, unless they're indie studio, it's just their name. Joseph Farr's the Hazelight Studios guy, right? Yeah. And even he doesn't actually put his name on it. Nope. But he's got that personality to do it. Yeah. Not to mention that like he stars in his games, too. <laughs> so. Yeah. Bit weird. <laughs> it's his brother that stars in them, isn't it? Like, uh, one of the main characters in A Way Out was his, was his brother. Was, it, was it his brother or him? I can't remember. I thought it, I thought I it was him. I think it was him. his brother. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was his brother. Hmm. Oh, David, yeah, David Cage. David Cage doesn't put his name on the games, though. No, but, you know, David, there's a such thing as a David Cage game. Right. A David Cage game comes out, and we all know it's a David Cage game. Yeah. And they're, they have a very distinct style. Yeah, they're mentioning Lucas Pope, but, again, he's a solo developer, pretty much. So, you know, his name yeah, is the game. One of, he's one of my heroes, Lucas Pope. I want to be Lucas Pope. Mm-hmm. I want to make my solo games... Uh, Sid Meier. Like an artist would. Yeah, Sid Meier still kind of counts. Sort of. Sid Meier's almost like Tom Clancy's a brand name, though, now. Yeah. Still nice to know he's still alive. Yes. All right. Uh, David Foster. Uh, d- moving on. David Foster gives 499 GBP to say, who are my favorite long-term, long-form video game critics? Oh, we've been over that. Yep. So refer, I refer well, you, you, you to my earlier answer. You went over long-form video essays. Yeah, I mentioned critic. Ross Scott. Oh, okay. I can always watch Ross Scott. H-Bomber guy I quite like as well. Mm-hmm. He does like games and other things. Um, Gawan King gives five US dollars to say, Thank you, Yati. Your dev diary inspired me to learn GML. I really enjoy it, but I recently hit a slump. Any advice for getting back to my schedule? Um, well, have you tried actually scheduling it? Like (laughs) assigning a specific time to doing things? I find that helps me. 
Like if I say like at 9.30, I am definitely going to do some work on my game. I tend to respond well to uh, scheduling. Yeah. I tend to sort of mentally focus on it. If, if, if people knew how I organize things, they would not like it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll okay, let them. Then. <laughs> he just, does it in the nude. It's all, no, it's just all in my head. All right. Which is why I'm stressed out all the time. I should probably write it down more. It helps, I found. <laughs> yeah. Um, Scavenger again gives five US dollars to say, if you want video games to be taken seriously as an art, you need a message behind it, and you need critics willing to discuss that message. I agree. But we also need games that's actually made by, with a single artistic vision and not just a committee trying to make the most money. I still think... You get that a lot in the indie space, and that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, I don't think you're ever really going to get that in the AAA space. Not from no. a Ubisoft, not from an EA, not from Activision. Like, they well, are there to that. make money. You say that, but what about Hideo Kojima's games? Tons of money was thrown into Death Stranding, and he had, like, total artistic control on that. All right, every once in a while, you'll get that. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, I, 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 again, I think it's more like Japan that has that attitude towards games i think yeah I, well that and like i don't think i mean i hesitate to bring up six days in fallujah because we haven't seen it but that might be a game that actually tries to say something i don't know i mean spec ops the line was triple a uh in that regard it came from 2k and and they really had something to say but i mean those games i don't know I don't know how financially successful it was. It probably wasn't that successful, and I don't know how... Well, it was certainly critically acclaimed. Yeah, um, and I don't know how financially successful Death Stranding's been either. Mm. So I think it's more one-offs that you're going to get with games that actually have something really real to say. Otherwise, I mean, I think the best example the... is going well, back to... Good... That might be an interesting question. What the hell is Death Stranding trying to say? Yeah. But that's a subject for another podcast, perhaps. I think that easiest game to look back on, on this is Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the 2019 one, when you, when you went to the press presentation for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, this game's going to have a lot to say about the, the realities of war and all this stuff. Like, yeah, you always say that stuff. <laughs> oh, God, I remember that. Remember that when we were at E3 and we just watched people, them gunning down civi- unarmed civilians in a house? <laughs> yep. And everyone just came out of it feeling dirty. Yep. Uh, they were trying to say, EA was trying to say the same thing about like Medal of Honor Warfighter back in the day, that it was going to be about like the, the, the trauma the of soldiers or something. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> a new realistic face of what war is like in modern society. Yeah. I mean, Far, with Far Cry Six, like the the fact that like the, the there's non statement on politics before they released a statement on politics, the the funniest thing I heard in that trailer was like live out your gorilla fantasy. I was like, who is wanting to live out a gorilla fantasy? <laughs> what your kind of mom has a gorilla fantasy. <laughs> Some weird marketing speak. Yeah. <laughs> That's um I don't I don't I don't live in my dreams about being a guerrilla warfighter. That sounds awful. That's that's uh weirdly on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm saying we people only play games to live out some cathartic uh revenge dream. Yeah, I mean there's, there's, there's a sort of, of a 
negative statement of the audience. It's like when Dead Space 2 is advertised as your mum will hate this. It's sort oh, of the I kind of advertising that reflect badly on the audience. I love that. I love those commercials. <laughs> so, those were hilarious because my mom was that mom. <laughs> yeah. Good Luck 13 gives five US dollars to say, uh, as you liked Persona 5, what do you think about the way the politics are represented in game? You might have to be a bit more specific there. There's a lot of themes in that game, like how adults are all shitty and uh, vigilantism is good. Yeah, I'm playing through uh, the Yakuza series right now, which is chock full of politics, and I love it. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about like politics in, politics in the sense of political correctness, it's got the usual Japanese stuff where it's really weird about female characters yep. most of the time. Yeah. Lots of weird out-of-place bathhouse events. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing through Yakuza Three right now, and I think the most time spent in one cutscene was for the opening shots of like chapter chapter ten when you enter a, a pole dancing club. And yeah. I swear to God, they spent like two minutes on this. I was like, why, why, why am I watching this for yeah, two minutes? Yeah. I mean, Persona Five's got this whole like theme about abuse of power, and one of the main characters is like this girl who was like sexually abused, mm. and then when she your party member, she vote wears that sexy cat girl outfit and the camera keeps pointing at her bum mm. and you can sort of say like oh we're trying to say that she's like using her sexuality to fight back but it's still the camera getting a lovely delicious ogle over her lovely boobs yeah it's just I don't know so I've always found that just weird when it's like video game characters like I don't need to sit here and stare at this for <laughs> two whole yeah. minutes move mixed on signals. mixed signals really yeah Diamond MX gives two US dollars to say not fringe. Laws are made to hurt trans people now. Hi, right, we're going back to when I was saying how, like, uh, you know, this course is only between fringe lunatics, and they're saying that fringe politics is now dictating a lot of politics in the US. If you haven't noticed, there's a lot of fringe lunatics in our government, so... Well, quite. I mean, it's still a fringe movement. It's just, you know, politics has been deliberately corrupted... Mm-hmm. to be weighed in favor of fringe lunatics. That's the problem. The vast majority of the American population want health care. They, they don't want, you know, oppression of women. They want a reg, uh, living wage. Yeah, Diamond, but Diamond MX makes lunatics. a good point. That is like, it's not fringe if they're writing the laws. That's, that's, that's scarily true, unfortunately. Well, I, I think it kind of is still fringe even if they are writing the laws. It's just like the fringe is writing the laws. Yeah, well, uh, that's what I it mean, is. That boils down to people need to go out and vote because if you don't vote, then those people make their way into office. Well, it's not much use if voting's been rigged and corrupted yes. by yep. the people who are waiting it in their own favor so that the fringe lunatics can stay in charge, isn't it? Read that up on Texas. Voting folks. doesn't help then. Yep. You have to get the uh, armed guerrilla warfare out and live out our guerrilla fantasies in real life. <laughs> God. I still can't believe that's a marketing line. I, can't, I wish story. Or we should. Or I'm gonna have to have somebody write a story up on just that line. Why is this here? Yeah, <laughs> gorilla fan. <laughs> I wanna. That's. I wanna go to the dev team and be like, who who is having gorilla fan as he's here? <laughs> Every time you say that, I imagine a gorilla. I know an ape. Yeah. I knew it. I think I, when you review Far Cry Six, least. I expect to see that in there. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> There, I'm your boss. I, I told you what that. to do. I'll do that very thing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, 
Clutch45 gives 10 US dollars to say art house erotic films have existed since the 1970s. Are video games still developing as a medium or is there something inherent to the format that makes all erotic games trash or Japanese things? Well, I think there's a vested interest here. Are you saying you want <laughs> art house erotic games, Clutch45? <laughs> Steam's your friend. Leisure suit Larry, but artistic. That's a question I've asked before on one podcast or another. Is there any game you'd classify? Any? There are plenty of porn games, all right? But are there any you'd classify more as erotica than porn? I have never engaged those games, so I couldn't tell you. Well, if you I would say the closest. It, no, but I, I would say the closest a game that I've played has gotten to like the porn is the God of War games. Well, yeah. That's not exactly art house erotica. Oh either, no, is exactly. No. I don't. That that is the side of the industry. All right. So, context on this: the uh, the first time I ever went to E3, I walked in. I go to the West Hall or South South Hall because that's where all the weird stuff is. I go to South Hall, and the first thing I I walk past, and they dra- try to drag me over to it is VR porn simulator. I was like, no thanks. <laughs> it's popular. I, surprisingly like so. It's just like my first in the chat my, mentioning my very first experience at E3. People in the chat mentioning Japanese visual novels. Oftentimes, uh, the porny ones can be, have quite in-depth writing. And there's no way of saying this without sounding like a big weep. But I think J- Japanese video games is generally more advanced culturally than video games in the West because they do like explore all these different things. They do. It is a lot more genre-based. It is. They do focus more on auteurism. It feels like they've... Because there's so many more video games in there, so much denser population, the sort of process of evolution has worked faster there than it has elsewhere. Yes, I, I, the lawnmower has come through, so it's probably time for us to wrap up, because I thought they were gone. Oh. oh, well, on the subject of, like, VR porn and me being a massive weeb, perhaps that is the appropriate point to end. So thanks for listening and or watching to Slightly Something Else, in which we were supposed to be talking about game criticism. <laughs> ended up on VR porn. And went to all sorts of places. That's why it's called Slightly Something Else. Well, there you go. <laughs> I was Yahtzee Croshaw. I'm Nick Landra. And uh, thanks for all your super chats, of course. It's the sort of thing that enables us to... Uh, do this sort of fringe bollocry without having to worry about algorithms so thank you all very much remember to follow us all on twitter follow me at, at Yahtzee Croshaw you can follow the escapist generally on at escapist magazine um, why not get an escapist membership while we're here do it then we can talk about all the weird wee porny yeah. stuff Yahtzee if, like, if ten people become Escapist premium members now, we'll do a whole podcast on weed porn. <laughs> you and Jack only. I that, have no interest in this. <laughs> it's got to be someone else, the Escapist, who's played weed porn. <laughs> I don't want to find out. <laughs> okay. You might be surprised by what people will privately admit. Well, I, it's not very private when on Steam some of those things are in the top selling areas. So. Oh, well, quite. <laughs> yeah. we, do we ever get review code to that sort of thing? Just I, out of curiosity. Uh, oh, you know what? 
Jesse like it wasn't it wasn't actual like porn or anything like that, but Jesse had a, a, a game that he wanted to review that got very close to that, and it was okay. really weird. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so All right. eventually, eventually, I think Chad's right though. Eventually, you're gonna have to do a ZP on one of those just for the visual gags alone. Oh god. Well, it would have to be a pretty fucking legendary drought period for that to happen. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Bye, everyone. On that note, we'll see you later. Nighty night.